Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Yvette, and today's episode, I am going to be sharing three ways to start active reading in grad school. Let me share with you what active reading is if you haven't heard about this concept. Active reading refers to anything that you do prior to reading a text to familiarize yourself with it. This can include doing things like scanning it, skimming it, reading a book review about it, reading a summary, reading the abstract, or even reading the intro and conclusion first. It also involves any strategies that you incorporate while you're reading it to make sure that you're increasing your understanding and critical thinking about the text. And this includes knowing exactly what information you need from the text to actively start searching for it. And let me let me tell you one thing. When I was in grad school, I don't think I was conscious about the concept of active reading, although I did find myself experimenting and trying different things. One thing that I wish that I learned early on was my learning style. And I'll talk more about learning styles soon. I didn't know my learning style was that I'm an auditory learner. And therefore, it was hard for me to read. And I felt guilty when I would read book reviews. I felt guilty when I would skim the text. I felt guilty when I was trying to figure out from different sources and places what this text was about before actually reading it because I thought that that wasn't okay to do. And in fact, it's it's funny now because those are the things that I'm encouraging you to do to increase your comprehension of the text. And so um, today I'm going to talk about three different ways to actively read, three strategies. There are others but these are the ones that I'm familiar with and I didn't want to overwhelm you with too many strategies. So try one of these three things out and then come back. Let me know how it went for you. The first one, uh, the first active reading strategy I'm going to share today is what I referenced earlier, which is reading out of order. So for instance, if you are a STEM student, you might be reading some sort of scientific paper and you decide that you're going to read the intro and conclusion first. After that, maybe you decide you wanna read the results section next. Then you might determine that you actually don't read, you actually don't need to read the entire method section. You might skim that. Unless of course you're reading that article precisely because of their methods, then that would be the exception. Then you might go on to reading the discussion. And after that, you determine you're going to skim the rest. Okay, I'm not telling you that this is exactly how you should approach reading all articles, 
But what I am saying is that you can develop your own system for actively reading that doesn't always require reading materials word per word and in chronological order. I tended to read out of chronological order to try to figure out like what the most important things from a text. I noticed that when I would read books, I definitely had to pay close attention to the intro. And then I could find one of the chapters that most closely related to my work and focus on that one too. And then the rest I would skim. And again, I shamed myself for doing this, but there is no shame in doing what you need to do to get the information that you need to get from the readings that you are having to comb through. As a graduate student, you likely have a lot more reading to do than you ever experienced in undergrad. And especially if you have exams, I had first year exams with lots of reading lists, and then many people have qualifying exams with, again, lots of reading lists. There is always an endless number of articles that you can read as you continue on with your research and your career. And so do what you can to work best and, and identify active reading strategies that will help you get what you need out of these texts. So the first one I mentioned, reading out of order. The second active reading strategy is developing your own list of suggested reading questions. And these are questions that you have developed for yourself to identify the information that you need from these texts. And I'll share with you some of my questions that I asked myself, and then I uh, pulled them and added them to a spreadsheet. And for all of my readings, when I had my qualifying exams, I think also when I had my first year exams, I made sure to answer these questions for each of them. The first is, what is the topic? Then what is the scope? And by that, I mean, what's the focus? What are the boundaries of the research? What is the main argument or finding? Who or what are they arguing against? This is especially key in my field in the humanities when some scholars are actually blatantly arguing against other scholars and their work. What kind of theory or conceptual framework is this author proposing? Theories, frameworks can be especially helpful because you might incorporate them within your work as well. You can ask yourself through what frames of reference is this theory or framework understood? So sometimes to understand one theory, you have to understand other stuff that came before it. It's good to know that. What is the disciplinary location of this piece? I had this question for myself because I was in an interdisciplinary program and not everything I read was in one discipline. And so the conventions differed depending on the discipline of the article that I was reading. I might be reading an article in anthropology, in theater and performance studies, in world arts and cultures, in um, sociology, in higher education, so my work spanned across a lot of different fields. It was good for me to know the disciplinary location of whatever I was reading. Next is what methodologies were used. And I'm going to mention this for those of you in the humanities. Sometimes you might not be explicitly taught to think about 
your methods, although we do have methods in the humanities. So think about in the humanities specifically, what are the authors or texts that this author is relying on to develop their argument? Next, you wanna think about when this piece was published. You might notice that some of the readings in your reading list are from a while back. They are probably foundational texts and that's why you're reading them. Others might be more recent. They might have been published within the last 10 years or so. Those might be more emerging work. It's good to know the differences and the distinctions. And you can also ask yourself, how is this text placed in intellectual history? What was the context of its writing? How has it been used since? Especially with the more canonical work, with the work that you're expected to know in your discipline, it's good to know the history of it and how it, it has been used and continues to be used. How does this text intersect with others looked at in this course, in my reading list, or even in my own work? You want to put it in conversation with other readings and not just think about it as this isolated thing. It's not, it's in conversation with others. Even if it's not explicitly in conversation with others, you're the one that's gonna put it in conversation with others as you do your own research. You also wanna take note of any gaps of any strengths, of the costs, of the benefits. What does this approach allow the author to accomplish? What insights does it restrict or occlude? What's not mentioned in this piece? And then of course, it's super duper important to think about how useful this work is for my research. How could this theory or framework be applied in my own work? Other things you might want to keep in mind if you develop a spreadsheet of your own or some sort of uh, set of reading questions of your own is um, keeping track of abstracts. Abstracts can be helpful so you can quickly remember what that article was about. Uh, also saving any um, major research questions, just again to remember the piece. You might want to keep track of key terms that'll help you to put it in conversation with other pieces that might have shared key terms. And you might want to save especially useful or important quotes that you know you'll want to cite later. That's the second active reading strategy is developing your own strategic reading questions so that you know exactly what you're trying to search for when you're reading this text. Now, the last active reading strategy, which is what I mentioned earlier, is identifying your learning style and then reading material in a way that aligns with that learning style. Like I said, I wish I would have known I was an auditory learner. I wish I would have had access to audiobooks and text-to-speech options back then. But you know what? I'm taking full advantage of it now. And I think I'm reading and learning more than I ever did before. And that's a lot to say, considering I learned and read a lot in grad school. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about reading, um, not reading styles, learning styles. There are three primary learning styles. There is uh, those that are visual learners, auditory learners, and kinesthetic learners. 
And one thing to keep in mind is that you might have a combination of learning styles. You might be an audio visual learner, or you might be visual and kinesthetic. And one thing that I can do is link uh, one uh, quiz, a learning style quiz that you can take if you're unsure what your learning style is. That way you can figure it out and then come back and re-listen to this episode and figure out what you can try out that might work for you. If you are a visual learner, you can read more actively by printing out your materials or if you feel bad about that, you can always use a tablet with a pencil and highlight what you read in different colors. I tried to do that. It looked pretty, but you know what? I It did not work for me, but it, I know it does work for some folks. You can also create a mind map. You can create Venn diagrams to reflect on the information that you just learned. You might also benefit from adding sticky notes or using multicolored pens when note-taking. Anything to increase that visual aspect is going to help you. Like I said, I tried it, but I didn't realize I wasn't a visual learner, which is why it wasn't effective for me. If you are an auditory learner, uh, one thing that you can do, which I again mentioned, is incorporate text-to-speech text tools that you can take advantage of and listen to the articles or books you need to read. There are a lot of text-to-speech options within your accessibility settings for most computers, tablets, and cell phones. There are also text-to-speech apps like Speechify and Natural Reader that you can check out and see if you like that. There are even apps that have um, eBooks and websites. I know of Open Library is a website where you can check out books that you would at a library. And a lot of times when you uh, open up the ebook, it gives you that text to speech option to listen to it, which is great. Another thing that you can do is start dictating your notes so that you can go back and re-listen to yourself. It'll help you to process what you're learning. Sometimes even I go back and re-listen to my own podcast episodes. I'm like, what did I say about that? I don't remember. I go back and re-listen to it. I'm like, oh yeah, now I remember. It reinforces the material. You could also have study buddies to discuss the material together to reinforce what you're learning. It's so great to have discussions and it's especially helpful to teach what you're learning. You know what, no matter what, no matter what learning style you have, teaching what you are learning is a great and effective method to make sure that you are actually fully um, consuming and understanding the material. That's why I love teaching because I know that as soon as I can teach it, it you know, effectively to someone else, that means that I know it pretty well. So teaching is great for all learning styles. Um, but let's go back to the last learning style, which is the kinesthetic learner. If you are a kinesthetic learner, take advantage of anything that gets you moving or working with your hands and body. This can include taking lots of movement breaks, or it can include moving while you're reading. I know I've seen folks who cycle and on their uh, cycling machine, they have a spot to put their book and they're slowly 
but surely cycling and reading their books. I don't know how they do it. I know that would distract me, but you know what? It works for some people and it might work for you. Another thing you can do is use flashcards or anything tactile that you can use to reinforce your learning. And even better than that, handwriting your material is, excuse me, is probably even better for you. And in some cases, you can re-handwrite your notes to reinforce what you're learning because of the tactile form. Some folks even use mnemonics. And mnemonics is when you figure out a way to memorize something in a way that, that works for you. Sometimes a mnemonic might be using um, something that sounds like something else or acronyms, or maybe you you use your body in some way, you, you gesture in some way that reminds you of something, reminds you of a concept that helps you to retain what you're reading. Anyway, as you can tell, I am not a kinesthetic learner. I'm still learning ways uh, to help individuals who are more kinesthetic learners. I think my son is a combination of an auditory and kinesthetic learner. And so it's definitely an area that I want to learn more about because if we figure out what works for different learning styles, we can help each other. We can help one another as we continue learning and reading actively. That's it for this week. And before I go, I want to shout out my founding femme tees. I'm recording this in the middle of my first cohort of the Grad School Femme Touring Academy. And my founding femtees recommended, requested this topic. And so that's why I'm recording this. They get to listen to it at the end of May. I believe the rest of the public is going to be listening to this sometime in July. And if you're into this kind of information, if you wanna learn more about sustainable productivity, about personal development, feel free to sign up for my wait list for the next cohort. You can learn more about my Grad School Femtoring Academy by going to gradschoolfemtoring.com slash academy. All right, y'all. I hope you found this helpful and I will talk to you all next time. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, here are three ways you can support the show. The first is to make sure you're subscribed and leave a review of the podcast. If you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, you become eligible for a free half hour coaching session with me. Yes, that's right. One free session. Once you leave a review, you can email me a screenshot and I'll send you a link to sign up. The second way to show your love is to get yourself a copy of my free 15-page grad school fem touring kit, which includes resources on research, organization, grad school, and career prep. Go to gradschoolfemtouring.com slash kit to get it today. The third and last way to support my show is to follow me on social media. I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and occasionally TikTok with the handle at Grad School Fan Touring. Thanks again and until next time.